This is Season 2, Episode 1, and you're listening to Elbows Off the Table. Hi, welcome back to my podcast. I'm Zoya, your host, and you're listening to The Black Sprout. Um, uh, hello, can we believe it? It's been a year? Season 2? Like, did you guys hear that? We're at Season 2 already. Um, absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, I was bouncing between, do we just throw another number and just keep them going forever or hit a new season and guess what i am queen of new chapters and new seasons and so i said new year new season and um like we've said before it makes no sense that we start everything in the beginning of the year sorry not the beginning of the year but that january is the start of the new year um and i know that's not for every culture and every everywhere all over so definitely just talking about us here in north america um when really why are we not following springtime when it's nice and fresh and so even though a girl like me right now is dying from the pollen um and allergies are really kicking my butt (laughs) i do love the spring i love all things fresh um and i love all things new and so welcome to a new season this episode we're talking about respectability politics yes it's me i'm it's me i'm giving it to you guys So recently, a lot of you who follow my um, personal Instagram account, you guys know that I went on a trip. Um, It was a long one. It was a beautiful one. And best believe it was a great 21 days for me. Um, I went with my mother. Um, She took me as a graduation present. And honestly, I'm so grateful to her. And it honestly was such a privilege to be able to experience so much in such a little time. But like, so much and to meet so many cool people um i've honestly met a bunch of cool people um so glad i met them uh great conversations and just great vibes all around and you know i live for that um so i feel like that's where this episode really comes from the idea uh, don't get me wrong i feel like i've always known that like canada but more importantly like ontario and um you know the gta where i'm from but you know, and then, you know, I went to school in Ottawa, but like these areas are so small, even though they seem so big sometimes. I obviously like really, truly knew that, but like leaving your small circle, leaving your bubble. And I don't mean like your comfort bubble. You know, I really believe in keeping small circles because I think that um, energy is important and, you know, keeping a clean and good energy is really important. But I mean, in terms of broadening your perspective, it is important to leave. Okay, go back if you want, but leave, leave and and discover that there's really more out there. I mean, I I've been on a couple of trips, you know, last year and realized that I love the mountains. A girl like me who's like literally terrified of um, all insects, hate them and would have never been like, I want to go camping. And and don't get me wrong, I still don't want to go camping. But um, honestly, like seeing the mountains was something I was like, I, I never would have thought that this was something I wanted for myself and and that beauty was was beautiful um you know I I was honestly limited by words it almost made me want to carry a thesaurus around and so when I went on this trip same thing I'm seeing all these like wonderful gorgeous beautiful sights and I'm like all I can say is this is amazing it's awesome and it's beautiful I'm like I need more words um and as a journalist I felt limited I needed more words (laughs) um but I wanted to talk about respectability politics um and so I think 
I think that it would be best to, you know, offer you a definition. Um, And so I'm taking this one from dictionary.com. And respectability politics is defined as a noun, a set of beliefs holding that conformity to prescribed mainstream standards of appearance and behavior will protect a person who is part of a marginalized group, especially a black person, from prejudice and systemic injustice. So... Um, lots of notes I have and lots of things to say and honestly some stories to share and so I think what's really important to gather even just from that definition acting respectable is a shield a shield against a world that would treat you differently and unfairly because of you know what you look like um, you know maybe what you sound like and so sorry stress on what you look like and so how do you mitigate this how do you fix it well let me sound different let me dress differently and maybe if I act differently I'll be able to you know um, I don't know counteract the way that my humanity is perceived really (laughs) And so respectability narratives are representations of marginalized individuals that are meant to depict them as sharing similar traits, right? Like this idea of homogeny, that we're all the same and that, you know, um, values and morals that align with a dominant group are somehow different. And so the marginalized group, i.e. black people, and that's what I'll obviously be stressing in this episode, will try to conform in traits and values and morals to this dominant group, i.e. white supremacy, um, so that they're deemed respectable, that they're they're somehow different than the rest. They're the sweet corn of the crop. I don't know. And so this can be seen in the ways that people limit the type of content, right, that they post online. If you're looking for an example, when you're posting, you go up, I got so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, auntie this and uncle that on my Instagram. And so I'm not going to post that bikini pic because they're going to think I'm this and they're going to think I'm that. And a lot of these things, um, you know, our perception may have nothing to do with our morals. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the way that people speak, act, dress, have no influence and, and, and don't shed a light on who they are as individuals. But I think that it's really important to highlight that certain groups of people are not allowed um, the ability to stray from the stereotypes that are presented regardless of how they dress and how they look right? Sorry, or it's based on how they look. So regardless of how they dress, I'm saying how they look more in terms of like vibe, like what aesthetic are you giving? But um, not in terms of like race, physical, you know, uh, characteristics like that. But, you know, you're not able to separate yourself from those things. And so it's important that you're perceived online a certain way. And so you mitigate this judgment by changing the type of content you share. And so respectability politics we need to uh, acknowledge the fact that they're rooted in resistance to racist imagery of black people, right? Like the whole minstrel um, and, and, and racist ideas that come from these years of passed down stereotypes and judgments and injustice. And, you know, because of this, it's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to show that I am not those things. And honestly, this is sometimes to the detriment of, of black creativity and uh, black expression. And I think that respectability politics, like as much as I'm talking about this and talking about how it's been used to, you know, protect oneself, I think it is also one of the worst things that black people have to do. I think it's terrible that you go into a room and you know that 
you know, you're hyper aware of the fact that you need to say words in a certain way, sit in a certain way and dress in a certain way just so you can be taken seriously. I think it's disgusting that, you know, you have to sit there and and, and hyper analyze and hyper be hyper aware. Like, you know, that's why I sit here sometimes. And when people want to say things like our children shouldn't have to know X, Y, Z. And I think here and say, what children are you talking about specifically? Because me growing up as a black child, I was very aware of the way that, um, you know, I was perceived. Like I, I was very aware. I may have not had the words and the language to fully understand the depth or the seriousness of sometimes the treatments or the comments that I received, but I was thoroughly uncomfortable with the comments and the treatment I received, right? Like I remember in, in my, you know, early elementary school days, I moved from I think I've told this story before, not sure. You know, it's, it's a lot of episodes now. It's a lot of episodes. <laughs> but uh you know, I was the only black kid in a class and it was a small class. So, OK, I'll give you that. But I was the only black kid in a class in my first grade class. And I remember sitting down in the circle and everybody was introducing themselves and I was the new one. And I was sitting there thinking like this, something's weird. And I was like, I can't put my finger on it yet. But I was like, something is very, very weird. And then I said, nobody looks like me. Right. Like it took a minute. And I think it was maybe it was by the time it had gotten to me to say my name. Maybe it was the fact that like all the names were giving Jake, Rachel and Sarah. I'm <laughs> joking. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. There were some other names in there. In, in fact, I'm don't quote me. I was being sarcastic. So if there was a Jake, Rachel and Sarah, um, it's not you I'm talking about, but it's a fact. And guess what? Facts don't have feelings. And so if your name happens to be Jake, Rachel, and Sarah, and you also happen to be white, well, guess what? It was a fact that I was the only black kid in that class. And I was hyper aware of that. I was so aware of it to the point that we had a twin day. And I remember the one black EA had come to me um, privately, right? Like, that's the other thing, that this was something she had wanted to make sure that I didn't feel uncomfortable about that she took me aside to have this conversation and she had asked me like did I want to be her twin um oh my gosh not me getting emotional I literally wow I'm sorry guys it's it's wow like I anyway um and she'd asked me if I wanted to be her twin and at the time I was just like oh like no one had picked me no one had asked me to be their twin um and it was twin day and like it was one of those you know it's a school spirit type thing and I was like oh my gosh yes yeah let's be twins um I probably have a picture somewhere I, I should go look for that um and it had meant a lot to me and I think it meant a lot more to my parents at the time because I feel like I didn't fully understand I probably was a couple months in so at that point I had made friends but I was very aware that I was the only black kid in my class in fact I was very aware that I was the only black kid in like my um what do you call them like primary you know how it like hits every group you know how it's like one to three is grouped together and then like four to six and then like seven to eight um so I was very aware that I was like the only black kid even in that grouping okay like I was in a split class for instance and I was still the only black kid right like me and my sister <laughs> um there were a couple other races in the school but I was the only black two black parents I was the only black kid and so I always you know my parents always obviously had always taught me to be polite and respectful but I had to be polite and respectful you know what I mean like and if I wasn't it was always like some sort of um 
almost it meant more you know what i mean my last name was different my parents were divorced so my last name was different at the time than my mother's and so it was like is everything okay at home i was like wait what <laughs> i'm just trying to finish this edition sheet like what do you mean what do you know that i don't know like wait what and those were like the sort of things that were happening and so it really is important that we acknowledge that respectability politics acknowledge that behavior is about you know avoiding being judged or compared against racist classes or sexist ideals right like this is about completely ignoring structural inequities so an example of this would be judging a black individual from a lower class on the way that they dress but not acknowledging the fact that they don't have access right to the same clothes that someone from like a tire uh, a higher tax bracket or economic status would be able to obtain like can you imagine that we are creating whole systems of judgment judgment in the fact that you will not receive opportunities right based on the fact of like situations you can't even control and you know i think it's really funny because we always see those billionaire videos that are like all you have to do is like stop eating out and then you would be a billionaire like me great so now that i've saved the six dollars from that like really expensive you know drink that i was gonna pick up Sorry, I was going to say Starbucks coffee. And then I just remembered that like literally all my friends know I don't drink coffee. <laughs> but my refresher, that refresher is like six bucks, isn't it? Anyway, I'm going to save that money and now I can buy a house. Uh, oh my gosh, crazy. And it's not that I'm saying we shouldn't be responsible with money. I, in fact, I was having a conversation with one of my dear, dear friends today. But uh, no, I'm joking. But I was having one of the conversations with one of my good friends. And we were just talking about like the difference in, you know, um, the people that the people that we know and the way that they handle money. And just in terms of like responsibility, regardless of even sometimes whether people um, come from a family or a position where they have a lot of money or don't it's interesting to watch the way that people handle money and so some people you know they don't have money right and yet they're like buying this buying that but then unable to like take care of the things that they need and then you have people that can buy whatever and they still don't really they're stingy with their money right or you just think about these different ways that people you know uh, uh, use money and yet we're still judged on these things that may be totally and completely out of our control. And so respectability politics are a continuum of behaviors and attitudes that reproduce dominant norms and strategies for producing um, a counter narrative to negative stereotypes placed upon a subordinate group. That was just a lot of words to basically say yet again that this way that we, you know, act and we, we conduct ourselves is strategic right this is intentional respectability politics is a very intentional way to move uh, with um throughout the world and it is specifically done to counteract negative stereotypes that are placed on groups right like you're aware of the fact that like as a black person oh i'll, I'll use me as an example i was gonna use this other example and it was just because i went on the trip and i met um this jewish lady and she was going on and on about um just different like experiences and she talked about uh jewish champagne <laughs> and jewish champagne is water at least that's what she called it right and i thought it was hilarious and um but i will talk about like me for instance i am very aware like i'm sorry i mentioned that because she explained where jewish champagne comes from um like the term and um so i had laughed in the beginning but i had to not laugh as hard because i didn't want her to think that 
you know, I was trying to be offensive. Um, I was like, I just think what you said was kind of funny. But um, for me, for instance, I'm very aware of the stereotype that like, uh, and this is partly because people say it to me all the time, um, but that like black women, like you're aggressive. You're being aggressive. You're aggressive. Um, I think living with those, I like to call them the Brady Bunch, but uh, living with my racist roommates was probably one of the most irritating times because of that. We concurred a, a bill, a water bill that was $200. And I'll let you know that I, me and my other roommate, um, like one of them was like amazing, great, me and her besties. But we'd lived there already for a whole year. So this was our second year living in this house. And we had never, never come close to a $200 water um, dollar, sorry, $200 water bill. And that's split between, sorry, that wasn't split between, um, that wasn't split between the five of us. That was each of our parts. $200. I was supposed to pay $200 for this water bill. I've never even come close to paying that, okay? And instead of answering the question where we were saying, oh, how did we get here? It was like, don't be mean. Oh my gosh, like maybe just don't say it like that. You're making me feel stupid. You're making me feel stupid, but I'm feeling very irritated by the fact, or not irritated, I was confused. That was what it was at first. And then it was irritation because here I am expressing, a, this is con conversing, right? Isn't that what we always talk about? We're always talking about communicate, communicate, communicate. Here I am communicating to you the fact that I do not understand how we somehow ended up at $200 and right away you shut me down and my other friend and I'm, I mean, we're POC, right? We're both POC. So really obviously i mean her experience is different because i'm black and she's not but like just some of the experiences we had were similar and i will say and i'll say it again she received the brunt of the like racist treatment i really didn't engage with them that much because of my experience with the year before um honestly i i had so many reservations i was like i just can't do this anymore i i can't um, so she wasn't the only one I, I had it last year where they were I'm afraid of you and I'm this and that and it was like I'm so confused because my room got broken into but now I you're afraid of me my, my things were ruined but you're afraid of me people are stealing my stuff but like you're afraid of me and then when it was like well have I touched you have I yelled at you have I this have I that all the answers were no and so by the end of it is what are you afraid of accountability are you afraid I'm asking you questions directly and so for me, I am very aware of the fact that people often um, are quick to label me with aggressive um, and, you know, mean and like these these labels. And I and I and I am very aware of it. Right. To the point that I try to mitigate it. I, I try to talk in a softer tone sometimes. Um, I, I, I do like jumping jacks you know, you know, mentally and, and when I come to the way I explain things sometimes and I over explain myself and I under, you know, or I minimize my feelings and I, all these different things so that at the end of it, we don't get to the point where it's like you're being aggressive. And yet I sit here and I say, am I not allowed to be upset that somebody broke into my room? I'm just saying, like, if somebody else, if this was somebody else, would you have looked at them and said they're being aggressive? I was violated. My privacy, my space, and my safety, right? Like, was violated. And I'm being aggressive. And that's not to say that aggressive is not a valid term and word to be used. But I, I sit here and I say, does this make sense to you? Does it make sense that I'm being mean because I asked you how our bill came to $200? And really, that wasn't where the comment of, of you're being mean came from. It came from... The response where the girl was quick to say, well, they don't send you a breakdown of what type of water you use. 
And so I said, it must be a joke because I, if you read, if you read, just, just read the text I wrote, I asked for a price breakdown. So if we got a price breakdown, I didn't ask you, can you find out what type of water we, I don't know if you thought they were the same thing, but clearly you didn't because you laughed and you tried to, I don't know. It's one of those things where I feel like you get it if you get it and you don't if you don't, but people try to patronize you um, in the way that they speak, like they know more than you. And so that was what she was really trying to do. And so we laughed and at the comment sort of thing. And I love that uh, Instagram feature. <laughs> I message laughed at the comment. And I was like, no, like they send you a PDF of the bill. Could you send us the bill? <laughs> and she was like, don't be mean. Like, you're being mean. You're making me feel stupid. I'm sorry. I'm still can't get over the fact that our water bill was two hundred dollars. And then by the end of it, me and my me and my friend had just worked the numbers and kind of figured out how we possibly got to here. Right. We were like, hey, have we ever gotten a bill before from her? No. OK, well, if we haven't got a bill before, it, you know, it's probably four months and this and there's five of us. So split. Da, 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 da. OK, well, it was about this much each. Da, 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 da. OK, maybe this number makes a little more sense to me. But do you see right that i had to be respectable i had to come and address you in a way that made you feel comfortable so that i was not labeled with these these microaggressions these these racist right these like sly racist comments and i think it's really interesting um i was gonna say funny but it's not funny obviously um it's more ironic but i think it was interesting because uh, at the end, me and my me and my roommate, me and my friend were sending our roommate in the group chat. We were sending them educational resources, as I like to call them, but just resources about like not to be racist, like explaining different things, right? And you know, not to touch black women's hair. And then one of the things my roommate had sent was like um, a post or, or an article about you know, um, you know, like racism, but like sly racist type comments sort of thing and then by the end of it she was like I, I just hope you know though like that this wasn't this, like you calling me a slur is like blatant racism right like um, you just to clear the air just want to let you know you called me a slur to my face like that's just not like that's overt racism like that's just point blank racism like I hope you understand that and I think that it's really interesting because my line my moral was racism like that's where i drew the line what was yours i was just curious that i was mean to you um anyway like everybody knows that was a wonderful time in my life i learned a lot of life lessons and i will continue to talk about them in like every episode because i deserve it really and truly i i lived with a bunch of racist girls and they got to do whatever they wanted and all under the guise of like I wasn't allowed to say certain things like I wasn't allowed to use the word talk. <laughs> no, I'll say it every time. I'm sorry. I wasn't allowed to word, use the word talk. And this girl was calling people racist slurs. Anyway, moving on to the next part of my episode. Um, but I think it's really important that like respectability politics really ignore structural inequities. Right. So whenever we're like forcing people to to fight against these like stereotypes that they sometimes have no power over you don't always like we like to pretend that like getting out of your class and moving into a next tax bracket is as simple as like getting a good job how do you get a good job guys right like 
It's about opportunity. It's about who knows you. It's about being able to get there, right? Like I know we're now in the world of remote work, but like, can you get to your job? Can you look presentable at your job in a way that they are okay with? Can you speak the language of your job? Do you have the education and the degree to have your job? Nowadays, you need a degree basically for everything. And, you know, that's for another episode. Not going to fully give my opinion on that, but that's just a reality. And so respectability politics really and truly are about navigating the stereotypes that are presented on marginalized people right like that's what it's all about so where does this idea come from like who coined it um that would be evelyn higginbotham right in about 1993 and so for me it's really interesting the way that respectability politics is used as a way to alleviate the burden that marginalized people you know like bear when it comes to the image of their community their culture like yes their race but like you are taking on the burden of millions billions of people okay and i say this and i think i've said it before but black people first of all race is a social construct so what it means to be black and and look black depends where you are okay it depends where you are it depends your definition right and and that's why it's really interesting to me where people want to be like oh i'm black because my grandma's brother's sister all this sort of stuff and it's like so that's the one drop rule that's actually extremely racist um it's really a visual thing okay like yes it's a social construct but please don't sit there and um I don't know one drop yourself into like blood blood type your way into a race um but yet yet in yet you have black people that are these individuals represent whole communities and they're not whole communities right like i was watching king richard um on the flight back home um and i remember one of the like things that really stood out to me about the movie was you know the dad was talking to venus and i remember him telling her that he was like really trying to like shield her um like the reason you know he had been so resistant i mean some of you i hope you know the story and if you haven't watched the movie totally recommend it was a great um spent the whole time crying no joking uh i don't know guys what it is i don't know if it's something in the air i don't know if it's my old age now you know i had a birthday last month no joking but <laughs> all i do is cry now i all of a sudden i have feelings um but i remember he was telling her that you know you didn't you don't only represent like you going out and doing this like first of all you're gonna be like the first black woman in this all-white sport you are representing black people okay you're representing black people on a whole right like yes you are going to be the representation that like black girls i'm saying girls because you know me but like black people need to see but you are also going to have to shoulder the burden that you now are all black people to a group of people that often do not do the work to try to understand, right? There are so many nuances when it comes to culture and understanding, right? Like I was in Ottawa and everybody was trying to tell me there were so many black people. And you know what? I have a Caribbean, like, uh, yes, I'm um, you know, Canadian, whatever, but it's like, I have a Caribbean background and my friends back home were Caribbean and like my family. And so this, um, 
perspective or view or at least like understanding that I came from was a lot different than like some of the Nigerian and, um, you know, other people that I was meeting. And I think um, I think that that lack of understanding that because you visually saw us all as like black and so you seeing perceiving us as black and like somehow the same this is very ignorant right like the food isn't the same the speech isn't the same um and this is not to say that you cannot appreciate and there aren't you know some similarities but it is because of the homogenization of black people that there are so many shared experiences of black people now there are shared experiences that cultures have because of like placement, right? When it comes to countries and like where they are geographically. But that doesn't mean that just because your skin is the same as mine, that we have the same way of life. We don't. And it doesn't mean we don't appreciate each other. It doesn't mean we don't like each other. But to assume and to just structure it as if we are the same is so ignorant, right? And, and yet with respectability politics, you are trying to mitigate the fact that like, you now represent your whole culture in spaces that are predominantly or that predominantly do not look like you or they have one other or two others but they do not look like you and they do not reflect you and your way of life and your way of being and i say that because of a lot of things i mean like <laughs> we always say like all skin folk isn't kin folk and that's for a reason because we're not all the same and yet these stereotypes group and label black people like we're all the same, like if we're all walking the same path. And if we are walking the same path, that's because of institutions that force us to do so, right? And so let's talk about Evelyn, right? In her book, Righteous Discontent, she writes, sorry, I said that's so weird, Righteous Discontent, um, she writes about the way that black women played a crucial role in making the church a part of a full institution. So not only for social, but also political change for the black community, right? So this is because of the things and services that the church was able to provide um, and still do, but like was able to provide, right? So such as food and clothes for the poor, you know, hosting social welfare services are being helped, sorry, like hosted and like accessed in these places, right? Like they were helping to build schools. Um, obviously this is not not really trying to talk about missionaries here so that is something totally i'm not talking about um i'm more speaking about the way that the black community um used the church to build the community right and specifically she's talking about this all taking place between the time of about 1882 to 1920 Something I do want us to clarify and not confuse the two is the difference between respectability politics and code switching. Respectability politics, for instance, is being told that like I can't wear my my headscarf or like my bonnet out because it's like not right versus code switching, which is, you know, one way of thinking about um and i'm talking about specifically like racial code switching so it's you know the adjusting of one style of speech appearance behavior and expression in a way that will optimize the comfort of others in exchange for fair treatment quality service and um employment opportunities it is similar but i think that it's like really interesting or really important to point out that like respectability politics is sometimes often enforced by your own community to you right like don't do that people are gonna look down at us whereas like code switching is more about 
when you're in these like predominantly white spaces, you know, you're trying to make sure that these people feel comfortable. So they sound one in the same, but they're not. So like the difference would be like, okay, you know, people talk about like birthday hair, for instance, braids are not birthday hair. Okay. Um, what? What? I, what girl? Like, stop, please stop. Um, you don't need a 30 inch bust down <laughs> jet black middle part. Um, <laughs> wear what you want, right? Wear what makes you feel good and happy. So code switching is more, like I said, about the things that like I as a black person would do in a predominantly white space. Um, respectability politics, it doesn't mean that I don't try to do these things in these white spaces, but it's also something that like your community kind of enforces on you. You wouldn't really code switch with your community because they get what you're talking about. They get what you're saying, how you look, and, and you know what I mean? And so something that I think is really interesting too is it's really about like getting that, you're doing that in exchange for fair treatment, quality of service, and like uh, employment opportunities. Um, and so I think we also should acknowledge that research shows that code switching often occurs in spaces where like negative stereotypes of black people are very prevalent, right? So this could be seen in things in places like school, right? Where black students, and pff, I know this, I went to, I was gonna say high school, but like even elementary school, but I, I guess I feel like I felt it more in high school. Um, There's a lot, uh, there was more of a, a black presence at my high school than there was at my elementary schools. Um, and definitely more of a, a black presence at my high school than there was at my university and in my university classes. And so, you know, that switch between like standard English and Ebonics, um, some of y'all know it as AAV, but not wanting to talk a certain way. I remember I was talking uh, to one of my friends, but mind you, I was talking about racism. So it wasn't even like some Ebonics or anything really, but I was just talking to one of my friends and I remember my, prof I was gonna say professor, but my teacher had like hopped in and was like, oh my gosh, like, don't you can't say that but also would like try to correct my speech a lot he's like i'm only doing it because you know you're going to be a journalist like you want to be a journalist and i was like sir um when have i ever underperformed in class or in a presentation oh crickets 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 never right don't worry i got me i got me <laughs> and even now where i'm like listen that I went a lot farther than a lot of you thought or even hearing growing up where people would tell me all the time like you spoke you speak very well but with like so much surprise and sometimes I want to be like do you know my mother <laughs> um and some of them did because that woman was always around but um and I mean that in terms of like you need somebody to care for you and vouch for you in spaces that would neglect you and cast you out as one of the other and so she always made sure that you know I was in the right classes and that I had the right teachers and that I was you know being treated as fairly as she thought I could be and so for me hearing people so often you know talk about how well I spoke I got good grades what like I understand the subject we're sitting here in the same class you're teaching all of us students like why wouldn't I speak well and we also see it in places like you know the workplace restaurants stores even government service buildings right like black people or forget about even just like building physical buildings think about space in a much more expansive way right in a space for instance in an interaction with the police black people are often told right to act polite and respectful that 
you know, that you have to switch the style of your speech, maybe appearance or behavior in a, uh, in a way, right, like I said before, that will optimize the comfort of those around you in exchange for fair treatment, quality of service, and employment opportunities, right? You are neglecting your most basic or I guess real authentic feelings and behaviors to one that you think will optimize your fair treatment and quality of service. And so at the end of it, I'd like to say, let's be gone with respectability politics. (laughs) And so I think it's really important to say that you will never, you know, meet these unrealistic standards, okay? They're ideals, they're fake, okay? They're fake. And one slip up will put you right back into the group that, you know, they thought you were. And so if any of you guys want to hear about my trip, let me know. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm joking. I just love chatting about it. It was the best experience of my life. Okay. To date. Best experience of my life to date. Well, that was this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed. Okay. Make sure to follow us on our socials. That's Black Sprout on Instagram and Twitter. B-L-C-K-S-P-R-O-U-T. Make sure to join the newsletter. And as always, interact with the podcast. Okay, guys, let me know your thoughts. My inbox is always open. And stay tuned for the next one. Bye.